Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down the movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by The Chick and the Duck. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Duncan's Toy Chest, the upper-class store with the best moderately-priced goods in Times Square. Find your next Christmas gift at Duncan's Toy Chest. Or turtle doves. <laughs> or turtle doves. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Pestle. Um, I am Wes. And I am Todd. And I am recording live on location for the first time in like a year and a half. I mean, at least, right? Crazy. That's insane. That really is. So if you've never listened to the show before, if for some reason you decided to start listening to this episode at the end of a trilogy, uh, well... That's weird. <laughs> weird, but yeah, welcome. Uh, this is a podcast where we discuss films and as filmmakers, actors, writers, reluctant producer, full-time producer. Uh, and we like to figure out like what's going on in the filmmaking. What can we observe from just watching it? Uh, I try to really avoid too much digging into it. I think one of the things that we really enjoy is just seeing what you can derive from purely watching the film as opposed to saying, oh, you know, Linkletter said that he was trying to do X and that's why he shot this, you know, with whatever, a helicopter, you know, five miles above ground or whatever. Like yeah. instead, like just watching it should communicate everything you want. I think uh, a lot of the best art, uh, you can see what the artist is trying to say within the art itself instead of kind of getting a, a, a menu guide or a, a pamphlet on the side that tells you here's what they actually meant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think really well constructed art is builds in the meaning uh even if it's not right there on the surface just gold you know waiting for you to grab it uh if you dig a little bit it's there and waiting for you to 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 pull it pull it out yeah and i think i think that's what he tried to do in Mm -hmm. these movies is pull that exact stuff out of of these actors and like he just Linklater is really brilliant in in not analogizing whatever the word is uh, life just like here here's what it is the raw whatever you know i'm trying story i'm trying to tell you and with no fluff at all i think that's what he's most brilliant at which is crazy because isn't that the point of movies yeah to not you know gloss over life to like show us life in its rawest form and i think that he just does that so beautifully it's crazy yeah i mean link is a master of it and sometimes I'm, i'll watch a film and i'll see opportunity to do some glitzy thing And he never goes for the glitzy thing. Yeah. He always goes for grounded realism and plays it to the bone. And I mean, you got to doff your cap, you know, to the man because uh, that's so much more yeah, impactful, I think. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk we'll talk about it as we get into it. But I have some really interesting like I would I questions for you regarding like how a movie like this is is made and structured and like thought out in the beginning. So. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. What are we going to cover today? So, yeah, today we're covering the third of a trilogy. Before midnight. Right. Dang it, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I just want to make sure that we are good. Yeah. Still still recording. We are still this is such a weird episode, not only because we're back in the same room together after so long, but also because I'm not listening to us through a headset. Uh, that is a completely different vibe. It just feels much more like a conversation between us than I'm used to. <laughs> Uh, I feel I usually feel the orchestration of creating this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And right now I just feel like I'm sitting on a stage uh, next to you, um, which is, you know, where you, where you belong, baby, where you belong. 
Uh, yeah. So, so uh, we're doing today. We're doing before midnight, um, which is the third in this trilogy that we've that we've done. Uh, so, if you haven't seen that movie, please pause this episode and go watch it because we're going to spoil a lot of stuff. All the things. Um, we'll talk about a few things. I don't have a ton of notes, but I do want to look at a couple small things about the story and writing, how the conversations have shifted as opposed to the last two films. And there's just a few small thoughts that I had about the production itself, like stuff like having kids on set and how that changes uh, the way you run a set um, and other such stuff and things and stuff. And a quick synopsis of the film, vacationing in Greece, we meet Jesse and Celine nine years on together. Almost two decades have passed since their first meeting on that train bound for Vienna. It's directed by Richard Linkletter, screenplay by Richard Linkletter, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, starring Ethan Hawke as Jesse and Julie Delpy as Celine. Yes. I want to talk right now. You by yourself? Are you waiting for somebody? Yeah, I'm by myself and happy to be. I'm an angry person and I hurt my kids, my work, and everyone I love. Oh, just my time. Okay, I'm not in the mood. I came here to be alone. Hey, listen, I've just been checking you out from across the cafe, and I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but you are by far the best-looking woman in this place. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I was just, I'd love to buy you a drink, maybe talk to you, get to know you a little bit, you know? I mean, you're here in business? Okay, I see. All right. you, you have a boyfriend? Not anymore. Jeez, Sorry to hear that. God, you want to talk about it? I don't talk to strangers. Well, that's the thing. I'm not a stranger. No, no, no. We've met, we've met before. Oh. Summer 94. Mistaking me for someone else. No. We even fell in love. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I vaguely remember someone sweet and romantic who made me feel like I wasn't alone anymore. Someone who had respect for who I was. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm that guy. I don't think so. Oh, see, see, I know something about tonight that you don't know. Really? What is that? Something important. You see, I, I know because I've actually already lived through this night. How? I'm a time traveler. Okay. Now I have a time machine up in my room, and I, I've come to save you just like I said I would. Save me from what? Save you from being blinded by all the little bullshit of life. It's not bullshit. I assure you, that guy you vaguely remember, the sweet romantic one that you met on a train, that is me. That's you? Yeah. Guess I didn't recognize you. Hmm. You look like shit. Well, what can I say? I mean, it's tough out there in time and space. You, on the other hand, are even more beautiful than I remember. Bullshit. Jesse, this is not a game. You get all cute, you get in my panties, and next thing I know, I'm buying peanut butter in Chicago. You're not going to make it better by some little pickup line. I'm not trying to pick you up. No, no, you, you're misunderstanding me. No, 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 no. I'm only here as a messenger. I've just traveled all the way from the future. I was just with your 82-year-old self who gave me a letter to read to you. So, here I am. I'm still alive in my 80s? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How's my French ass? Nice. Okay. Really nice. Uh, I don't care about the way I look. We could just keep going. <laughs> I could really just keep watching that. Oh, I mean, I 
didn't have the the full film and normally i, I watch these once or twice uh, at least twice and so i didn't really find the perfect scene uh, that's a perfect scene it kind of is it's a great scene it's so good yeah i mean i guess that that scene just plays so well because i am identifying hardcore with him in this movie as opposed to the first two films i felt like i really identified with both of them at different times and mm. most of the time and this one i definitely gravitated more uh somewhat more towards him even though he can get very presumptuous at times and uh like you can see a little bit of that aggressive attitude creeping back but all that aside what's this one do you do you like this one as much as the last one i feel like it's been a growing thing for you like yeah you were so so on the first one really like the second one uh how does this one stack up compared to the first two it's a great question um i think it's i i i love i really loved it um but i didn't like it at first mm. it was really slow which is fine i mean you don't expect explosions or anything um, but it it was it was slow in the progression of the conversation even you know what i mean it was mm-hmm. just it just took a while to get there but then when it got in when it started getting into it, it was really when um they were at dinner talking you know back and forth and stuff about relationships and you know that one young girl saying you know all relationships should end will end and then you had the old lady talking about missing her husband which is was the end of that long conversation we basically were flies on the wall at that yeah. dinner. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. Like, I just love this. I love how like real it is and how nobody gets angry at anybody else's opinion or, or they, everybody's just talking and they're, t- they're not afraid to talk about sex. They're not afraid to talk about desire. They're not afraid to talk about um, relationships or the world in general, Be, you know, a worried that some, you know, someone else at the table might get offended or anything. Mm. And I love that. You know, I don't think that, we really have that yeah. now, I think. And I'm including myself in that, you know, I am, I am personally careful about what I say around people that I don't, you know, aren't you right. Right. Or my wife. Right. So, um, or my family, but as it went on and they, you know, their walk to the hotel, that whole conversation was, I mean, amazingly executed. I, <laughs> um, not just their conversation, but the tracking and, and the and the blocking and everything was just wonderful and then uh the argument in the hotel was absolutely brilliant i don't know how this had there had to be some kind of personal aspects to it that they wrote in here because it was just so perfectly written every time she would say something i'd say i would say this and he would say that (laughs) every time he'd say something stupid i'd say if i was her i would say this and she would say that and they did a really amazing job of balancing both where you can you can either pick a side or not. You can just either, you know, watch as a fly on the wall and, en- and enjoy the, the banter or you could be on his side or you could be on her side. Um, and that whole fight spirals so perfectly slowly. It yeah, doesn't begin yeah. with a bang. Right. It begins with a whimper. And yeah, and it's it's like this whole. It, you know, it was a slow lift and then it would hit a peak and would come down and then it would hit a peak and come down. And yeah. it, it, it like she left and she came back right. and they almost made up. He poured some wine and then, you know, then she left again and she came back and said she didn't love. And then she really left. I loved that they just sat there with him for a minute, you know, because, I mean, if you've been with a woman for a decade and then she comes in and says, I don't love you anymore. I think that a lot of people, I mean, I, I think that anybody 
depending on the circumstance, might think that's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. It's over. She doesn't love me anymore. Well, th- that's the only reason I'm here, right? You know, because we love each other. But he didn't accept that. And we lo- I love that he didn't accept that. It was like, no, I'm not, I'm not having that. You know, you're angry. That's why you said that. You're trying to hurt me. I've hurt you. Let's figure something out. Yeah. Anyway, I think that this was, I loved it. I loved it as the end of the trilogy. Um, Because where were they going to go? They've been, you know, they've been, they were uh, overly nice to each other at the beginning. They were, they attacked each other a little bit in the middle. And then after you've been with someone for 10 plus years, you know a lot about them. They know a lot about you. You know how to push their buttons. They know how to push yours. You lose communication at times. And sometimes it can get hairy. You know, and you got to be okay with that because it's not always going to be roses. And I think it was important for them to call that out. If they were just like the same way, it would have been a terrible movie. If they were the same way as as the second one or or first one or the second one, it would just been terrible. No, I completely agree because the first two films, they explore the ideas about long term love and long term relationships and. Uh, there's all these moments where she's talking about, I think I could only truly love someone if I knew, you know, the the stupid story they were going to tell next, because I've heard it for the thousandth time, but they're talking to someone new and it's new to them. Um, and I think it's only in those moments. And so getting Good to point. test those kinds of ideas, even though I don't think he actually tests that specific idea, but it's that idea of you think you can only love someone if you've been with them for a long time. Well, let's see what happens after you've been after with someone you, for a long time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to the, to the, to the fight. I mean, it starts, I love that it, it begins with them in the middle about to have sex. Like this is about to be a great night. And then the phone rings, she answers it. It's his son. And now he's frustrated. She didn't let him talk to his son. And then he's also frustrated that, you know, she gave him, this note as he's getting off, you know, good luck with your mom. What does that mean? Why would you tell him that? And that becomes a light fight that just kind of starts eating away at their perfect evening. Yeah. And before you know it, he's back to uh, accusing her of hooking up or like yeah. going down on some dude. And yeah. uh, he seems to have this fascination of like accusing her of uh, infidelity, which if you start to extrapolate, you know, after the fact uh, is his own guilty conscience. Yeah, because he clearly he, slept with someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's looking to get away with it by having her admit to doing the same thing. And now suddenly, you know, we're even, right? And I, I don't know. I I can see re- a lot of relationships working that way. I don't think all relationships do. I don't operate that way. Um, no. And so, uh, but it's fun because it feels in keeping with this character. Mm-hmm. That's the same guy, you know, that we've been watching for the last. 20 years yeah um this is the evolution of that and now he's become semi-famous right he's a well-known author he shows up to a random hotel and he's autographing a book um and so he's got some level of notoriety and i don't remember what movie it was or maybe it was just someone talking but oh i remember what it was but someone was like giving another character grief about like infidelity uh and this other guy is really famous really rich uh, he's like, it's easy to say when no one wants you. <laughs> like, that's yeah, a yeah. very simple yeah. place to be at right now. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure it probably does change when suddenly, you know, there's far more opportunity and you now have to turn it away um, as opposed to like begging, you know, yeah. someone to go out with you. 
Uh, and so I appreciate them kind of exploring those ideas in very crafted ways. It's not mm-hmm. slap you in the face. It's no, he's got a guilty conscience. And now instead of saying like, Hey, I did something wrong a while back. No, I'm just going to going to do what most people do, which is uh, stop trusting other people because they no longer trust themselves. Oh yes. That's it. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's deep. That's a really deep crafted character. Totally. totally. Freaking genius. It's really great. It, it like, there, there are so many moments that they write in that a normal script wouldn't write in. Mm-hmm. These little things, and uh, they're hard to call out unless you're watching it. Yeah. And then you see them all over the place, all over the place. I mean, particularly in the fights that they have, or in the, yeah, I guess mo- they're multiple because they kind of the fight kind of evolves in the in the hotel room, but particularly then because all the rest of it is just kind of like like just regular conversation Mm -hmm. right you know that any two people could have i did feel at times that there were there were some lines that felt uh, a little like okay they've been together for 10 years this is not a like this is a conversation that i can't believe that they hadn't had before right but those things happen too because just because you're with somebody for 10 years doesn't mean you've talked about everything and and, i mean especially those two because they just talk constantly (laughs) um but even in the car ride on the way from the airport, like they're they're talking about how we haven't been having or the walk. Maybe it's on the walk from on the way to the hotel where they're like, we haven't really had any conversations. Like mm-hmm. when was the last time we just hung out and we're and bullshitting? Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. And you're sitting there thinking, I, well, for me, it was nine years. ago. <laughs> uh, it's been nine years for me. So now you should talk. Um, but then when, but then when they actually argue, uh, they make. Excellent points. I mean, I found myself, and I don't know if it's because I'm a man. Uh, I don't know, but I found myself on his side a lot mm, more. Yeah. Um, but also the idea, like the the. So I I don't know. I'm a little bit biased because I mean I moved across the country with my wife. Mm. That why with? she w- just with for well, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> but 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 the the point is is that like like it wasn't just a no at first. And I felt like, I felt Uh, like it was just such a no, such a hard no at the beginning from her, from her um, at first. But then I, then I realized, Oh, they've had this conversation before. This is something that they've talked about a lot. Mm. And she, she brought it up a couple of times in their conversation that this is, she doesn't want to talk about it anymore because she doesn't, she's not going. Um, and she lived in New York for a couple of years right, with him. She, exactly. Exactly. So she's d- been there and done that. So it's, 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 they develop it so well, yeah. you know, that, that whole scenario so that whenever you feel like I'm, I'm on his side, she'll say something that will remind you of a conversation they had earlier in the movie. That's like, Oh yeah, that's another nail right there. Like, like of course, why would she go? Yeah. You know? And then, but the real, the real thing, and they, they just keep like adding a little bits specifically when she when she says in the fight that she doesn't want to go because his ex-wife only gives him every other weekend and so that's like 30 days a year she said why would i go there so that you can have 30 extra days with him like that's not going to matter yeah it's not going to make a difference and she's probably right that's, that's like that's the uh pure logical unemotional part of the conversation that he wants to have (laughs) right right exactly exactly but she she brings she hadn't we we didn't really hadn't been reminded of that Mm. until that moment so that that whole time i was like dude why are 
why are you fighting about this so hard? Why don't you just maybe entertain it? And then she says that. And it's like, actually, to move your entire life across the, the world for 30 extra days a year, yeah. that might not be, you know, and, and you have daughters too. Yeah. So you're taking your daughters away from what the only thing they've known. So, uh, yeah, it would be very difficult. And, I also yeah. find it interesting. Did you get a feel for why they, I mean, his ex, right? His, his son's mother mm. is kind of made out to be this really terrible person. Mm. And all we know is they're accusing her of like being an alcoholic, which we right. don't even know how much truth is in that. Right. It's, yeah. it's all perspective because yep. how many times have you known people that end up divorced and, you know, suddenly you hear all these really terrible negative things that were never present, you know, while you knew them together. Yeah. And so I just find it interesting that we're really only getting one side of the story, mm-hmm. um, which is as it goes with friends and, you know, this kind of movie, but yeah. Did you ever get a sense of beyond some of that simple stuff, whether it really was a negative situation for, for the kid? Not really. Other than when she said that she's a, she called her a drunk, like mm-hmm. you said, and, and like all these other terrible things, but I mean that, and then her not giving him more custody, you know, kind of makes it feel like that, but I don't, because I, I can't would, imagine a mom being like, yeah, you know what? Take my son to another country. Right. Exactly. No, <laughs> of course, no. of course she's not going to say that's okay, but she's going to give you a summer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she I, did. Right. And she did. And also he, you can imagine him being a bit of a, I mean, a wad. <laughs> he left her. He went overseas on a book tour, met up with this girl after 10 years or nine years and then left her. I could see being bitter about that. A little bit. <laughs> And she and they have had a kid together, so yeah. I I don't particularly blame her for hating him. Yeah. You know, I would too. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, think, you know, to take to take it that to take that away from her son is a little aggressive, but yeah. she's giving him what she thinks is fair. Yeah. Uh, it's their own. Scenario. Yeah, I think this is one of the ways that I was really impressed with this movie is how much the conversation shifted. As compared to the first two films, mm-hmm. the first two were so much more philosophical and yeah. uh, meandering. And this was so much more rooted in day-to-day realities. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, the first opening scene didn't even have her. Yeah. It was just establishing the sun so that as that conversation spiraled out later on, you could feel and understand the weight of it. It's not yeah. just this abstract idea that he has a son. Instead, we've met the kid. He's a mm-hmm. cool kid and he's a kid with his own ideas about reality. And you can almost feel the irony with some of the conversations in the first film when Jesse's discussing his home life and parents and how his dad sucks and, you know, parents just want you to be a, a reflection of themselves kind of stuff. And now here he is trying to push him into soccer mm-hmm. and exactly. the kid's sitting there telling him, I don't care about it. Yeah. And it's not good enough. And he's like, well, you don't got to decide right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's becoming very much the person that, you know, he, he didn't think he would become. And so that kind of idea keeps taking place over and over again even in the car ride uh some of the first conversations are about work and how this wind turbine project failed at the last mile and and then we see like him discussing and insisting that she not take this other job part of me is like well is this your place like should you be telling her what job to not take um and then as that conversation even unfolded more you got the sense that he's fighting for her because maybe through past conversations he knows that she doesn't really want to do this thing. And she's over here being practical. Well, it pays more money and blah, blah, blah. 
better career opportunities or whatever she says. Uh, and he's like, well, look, man, do whatever you want. I just, just make sure that's what you want to do. And so the presentation as a fly on the wall feels very complicated um, because you get a sense of history, even though that history isn't perfectly exposited, you know, mm -hmm. in the process. And it's that level of complexity that I really appreciated as well as you start to get a, a more and more sense of the consequences of them being together at all, right? The son, the ex, uh, his life in France or, or wherever they're currently located, even though they're in Greece, that's like a summer vacation thing. Yeah. But you also maybe get the consequences of potentially her having not been there six months after that original meeting. Mm -hmm. life completely shifts and all these things that are problems for their lives now would not have been problems in the first place. There would be no son. There would be no ex. Um, and maybe he could live guilt-free in, in France with whatever their family would have looked like at that point. Yeah. So uh, you start to kind of, if you piece together, like this is a puzzle piece. It's not just, you know, a four piece puzzle. It's the thousand piece puzzle that you really have to construct yourself. Yeah. Uh, that to me is just all the extra layers that makes this such a, I don't know, fun, fun, fun movie. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really like uh, is that they present a bigger view of their life together, right? It's no longer about them coming together or discussing what could have been or should have been. Um, instead it's, we actually get to see what their life is like, how they view each other. Um, all those mundane things like work and raising kids, being bad parents. Uh, they, in that way, I thought this was so much funnier than the first two films. Like I was cracking up left and right um, because it's more personal. There's a depth of conversation that's now spiked with familiarity, the humor of knowing someone, the buttons to push, and sometimes the buttons that push that I'm cringing at. I'm like, I can't believe you just did that. Like he grabs her boob at a certain point. Uh, and it's so crude. And I'm like, and he's laughing and she's kind of laughing about it. Like there's that level of uh, comfort that they have with each other. Um, that is, that is different. Even their past, they revisit their past and they kind of revise it in ways that now have humor and, and that we don't even remember. Like they talk about uh, the pinball and, and she's like, you got to let them win at, at, at all this stuff. Like, or us, you know, mm -hmm. And she's talked about letting him win at pinball. And that wasn't even a conversation in the first film. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't moments that we didn't see uh, that happened along the way. Um, um, can I call out the perfect scenario in the car of, of them <laughs> driving past the, the ruins saying that, we'll, oh, the kids are going to be upset. No, no, we'll just we'll just do it. And then him eating the apple. <laughs> I cannot tell you. How perfect and accurate that is. That is exact. I, and I I am that dad who like, hey, did she eat that apple? No, she didn't. She's asleep. Here, hook me up. Hook me up with that apple. But, and, and then, daddy, where's my apple? It's perfect. It, and then you feel like, oh, my God, I just ate my daughter's apple. So and now, now she's hungry. Is there any guilt over that? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was just cracking up because she pulls out this browned apple oh, that looks care. you know two day old dude and he's like oh no there's still some good parts over here bro i'm telling you when when you become a dad yeah you just get what you can get, <laughs> get okay like a half browned apple you're all right you know there's a couple of bites with skin on it still it's some good some good meat under there that's the high life yeah yeah oh you. my god like 
I love also love the uh, the dark sense of humor that they have. Mm. Um, there's a story that she's telling. It's a horrible story about. Uh, I think it was her dad that had to kill kittens because mm-hmm. uh, they were just having too many, um, yeah. and she didn't know until much older when he lets it slip. Like, oh yeah, I forgot that the, I had to keep that lie up, <laughs> and they're laughing about it, and that made me so happy. Actually, not yeah. because it's a, a funny story, but because that's my kind of humor. Like, you take something that actually is dark. And you find kind of the, the the irony or the the you you deal with it through humor, uh, yeah. and that's my family. We would deal with dark stuff through morbid humor, uh, gallows humor, as they say. I also like that they didn't they didn't linger on anything. Mm. So yeah, she mentions that about her dad, and he he's like, oh, you know, basically, oh, it's crazy, and blah 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 blah, yeah. and he just goes on, or he'll tell her something, and she'll just come back with with something about herself. Yeah, it just. I think that in a normal conversation, you might pry a little bit more, but in a, in a film like this, you want to keep it progressing. You yeah. want to keep it changing. The dialogue has to change pretty aggressively in order, because that's all there is, yeah. is dialogue. Yeah. So you got to hit, you got to have punches, but it, with words instead, not, you know, like, like aggressive, you know, violent punches until the, until the actual fight, but still uh and it, it just do that so masterfully it's, it's it, yeah it's it's seamless uh they go from that to talking like about how their their daughters are going to end up in rehab because they're such terrible parents yeah. oh them. yeah and it's all like nudge nudge like, uh-huh the kind of stuff that i'm sure most parents have like that's that would definitely be most of my conversation about. yes absolutely, absolutely. Are you but they just kids? like joke about it you know because i think that they understand that they've been ruined by theirs yeah I thought the nudity was interesting in this. Uh, it takes a, it takes a turn. For one, it starts off very sexy, right? Uh, it's, it's literally they're getting into having sex, and then the fight breaks out, and it now becomes mundane. Like what started as like titillation mm-hmm. became like I don't know nothingness. <laughs> like it yeah. was just like these are old school married people who just fight like you just deal with it and it wasn't like she was moving to cover herself up or anything it was just like no we're gonna have it out right now it just added to this realism that you know link later goes after and it was a to me it's a really cool use of nudity yeah so nudity is great i know big edit right there we just uh, ran into some technical difficulties um but also like as that fight began spiraling they get isolated for a while into their own frames and even their own rooms. Like mm-hmm. they're in separate rooms. And so we spend most of this film trying to get them into the same frame, whether it's a two shot or dirty singles or uh, what have you. Now we can feel the tension of the fight. Kind oh, that's of a great point. Visually showing up. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of nice. It spirals into, you know, the, uh, the age old question uh, that probably most married couples with kids have which is if it weren't for the kids will we still be together um which is a tough one after that though she storms out and he flops into the couch after she exits uh and when she re-enters i love that you know he's he's still on the couch and we cut to this alternate angle of the couch kind of a wide um where he's taking up the whole frame but in the foreground like we have this bottle of wine unopened and these two empty glasses and i feel like that's somewhat of a a visual metaphor that they're playing with kind of wine and red symbolizing their love. And in the middle of this fight, that's probably what it feels like. It probably feels like there is no love there. And then, like you said earlier, they start to patch things up. That's when he's opening up the wine. Like, Hey, let's actually 
reconnect and remember, right? And he pours the wine and it gets into this uh, little bit of, uh, is this half full or half empty? Um, and he starts drinking. Because they pour, he poured big glasses. Big glasses. He just kept going. I'm like, yeah. all right, bro. <laughs> and she never drinks. He drinks, but she, but she doesn't. And that's right about the time when she's coming to, you know, what seems like a realization to her, which is, I don't love you anymore. And I love that. There's a lot of symbolism that you can, you can play with that. Um, but this is the first time in all three films that I feel like we actually have stakes. There's real mm-hmm. stakes right now about the, where their love is at, can it be salvaged? And it leads into this, that final sequence on the pier at the restaurant um, of him trying to reconnect with her and remind her of the things that are important. Um, and I bet there's probably times in, in their life, you know, this is just one of their moments, but I bet there's been other moments where she's had to do that with him where he's probably on his last leg. And he's like, you know what? Screw all this. Cause he mm-hmm. seems, I mean, she's a bit of the firebrand from for the past two films, but he's definitely got that in him too. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he's pretty aggressive and yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that's a, that's a really beautiful moment that, you know, we kind of get to see, evolve of how do we fix this thing that from the beginning felt like this improbable foolish sentimentalist love right you mm-hmm. met someone and you're caught up in the whirlwind romance of it instead of asking do i love this person for who they are or do i love this person for the idea that they represent that i've romanticized um yeah and they explore it you know the way that I've seen their characters progress over the last three films has been has been amazing because they've crossed paths. He was the aggressive he was very, the most aggressive at the beginning. And mm-hmm. she was just not timid, but yeah. just going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they they flipped it in the second one. And now I I feel like they they've continued to go in that direction. I mean, yes, he's aggressive, you know, it in in a way but he's aggressive in that he wants her and is not going to let anything get in in the way of that right and he's going to fight for her and stick and like stay, try to stay with her as much like as much as he possibly can but he's the least aggressive because uh he's the least aggressive in every other way right because i feel like she's aggressive outside of outside of their relationship she's the one going for her you know, like, like job wise, she's fighting for this new job or she wants this new job or like she's fighting against going to the U S she's like, she's fighting the mother, Hank's mom. Mm -hmm. She hates, she hates her. And she's like openly says she's a a drunken bitch and blah, blah, blah. blah. And he's like, Whoa, whoa, let's not talk about her. You know, I just want to, you know, I, I want to be there for, for Hank, but you know, I know that it's, I, you know, it's delicate conversation with you and, He's more laid back outside of their relationship. Right. And, and she's more aggressive, more aggressive outside of the relationship. So I, in that way, I so I just see their characters switching. Um, but the whole thing, come, this whole movie for me comes down to that one line that he says that you played. And I don't know it exactly, but it was, it was, I'm from the future. And I've come back to tell you to not, to not let all the little bullshit ruin this essentially. Yeah. And that is the definition of being married forever. Is that because there is bullshit all over the place. 
all over the place. It is never easy to be with someone for a long time. I don't care how much you love them. You see these 94-year-old people that have been married for 70 years, like his parent, grandparents was, were. And there, I guarantee you, there were times where they didn't want to be with each other, where they hated each other. They even thought maybe they didn't love each other anymore. That happens. To everyone. I don't care who you are. The people, the, the, the guys from the, the notebook, right? <laughs> I guarantee you there were times where they felt that way. But it's not, it's not about feeling that way and letting it beat you. It's about knowing who that other person is and knowing that, you know, like, like she said, I don't, I don't think I love you anymore. It doesn't, he, the shot of the, the glasses. So he's sitting there by himself. Mm -hmm. She says, I don't love you anymore. And he's sitting, he sits down at the table and he looks at the two glasses, the two full glasses. To me, that's a metaphor for this hasn't even started. Wow. We didn't even get to drink like, not just this scenario, right, but right. our lives are these glasses. They are only halfway done. So do you want to just throw this away or are you going to drink? And so that was, and then the, I think the next shot we see is her at, at the, at the table outside mm -hmm. and him walking up to her, right? That whole long shot. Yeah. And it's just so brilliantly put together in that regard because it's, it's all about that. It's all about the little things. And you either can embrace them or you can let them kill you, you know, and so many people let them kill them. And I'm not saying that they're not important. Just like he said, he said, they're not important. She said they are, they are important, but they're also not. And you got to know when to weigh them the correct amount. It's, I'm not saying that I know how. Yeah, you are. I, de I deal with them on a daily basis. Uh, so does my wife. I'm not a perfect person, but I. I tend to think that hopefully at the end of whatever, at the end of the decade or the end of the year or the end of this week, that they've made us stronger rather than beating us down, right? No, we'll beat you down, but they also will make you stronger. And I, I, they just make, they do that in such a subtle way where if you're not paying attention or you're not, not even paying attention, you could be paying attention and still not see it because you're not in that space in your life, right? So different people could watch this movie in a totally different way. Like I said, you could be on his side or on her side. Yeah. Not even depending on whether you're male or female, but where you are in your life. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously watching it from a different point because you yeah, know, I'm right. not married. I don't have a 10 year relationship. Of course. And so whenever I'm, I'm pretty dispassionately watching with no stake in the game, I'm right. just like, uh, yeah, she's being unreasonable right now. And, or, Oh yeah, dude, stop pushing that button. Whereas if I have all that history and that experience, I'm like, yep, push that button. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there were times where I was like, dude, do not let her go. Do not pull that shit back. You know, like that is. And I I could see in those moments, sometimes if someone who might not have, be, have been married for 10 years yeah. might be like, bro, just back up. Like, no, 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 no. You pick your battles and this is a good one. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Uh, production wise, I guess the one of the top things that jumped out at me it was there was a lot more production value in this one than i feel like in the past ones the the others and i think that speaks less to like what they were trying to accomplish uh with a little bit of budget as opposed to what they were trying to accomplish within the means of the story itself and the first two you know uh they're just kind of ragtag they're walking around exploring the city and that city and so the production felt a little bit more skint 
this one, they're established in their lives. They're established uh, in their relationship. Uh, and in that way, I think the production value reflects that this isn't somewhere that they're just camping out. This isn't like a fly by night walk and talk. This is a part of their reality, part of their life. And so the production felt bigger, maybe more background extras, more, a lot more setups, a lot more lighting. I, f I could feel the lighting a little bit more, especially like in the hotel room um, or even on the pier. It felt like they put a lot more time, a lot more camera angles and setups and mm -hmm. uh, a lot more dolly moves. And uh, you could feel that. And I think that was very much a reflection of the Jesse and Celine, not just, oh, Linkletter is able to get a bigger budget because Boyhood did, did or whatever. I think this yeah. is before Boyhood, but it wasn't that, right? Mm -hmm. It was much more, uh, I think this calls for that so that we don't just feel like backpackers in a city. Instead, we feel like, were in someone's lives and uh, visually that was very well reflected. And with that, I mean, I think one of the things that just strikes me is whenever you see kids on in a movie, uh, more so the twins, but probably even the, the other son, the teenage son, um, Hank, like that changes the way you do everything. Having a kid on set. Luckily I haven't really run into this much if, if at all. Uh, but there's only so many hours you can you can have a kid on set. Um, so that means whether you're rehearsing or shooting, I forget what the number of hours. I think it's like five or six hours. And and that's it. Like they're they're pretty uh, hard about that. Now, maybe they were shooting internationally. So maybe in Greece, those rules relax a bit. Uh, but I think Linkletter is still like a DGA member. And so I, I would assume there's certain aspect union rules that he's still adhering to. Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. uh, assuming it, that that it is the case, that means, you know, now you're building the scene and you're spending way more time rehearsing with just Julie and Ethan. That way, whenever it's go time. OK, kids call their call time is now 30 minutes before they're, they're mm -hmm. filming. And, you know, like we can get a few scenes in with them. That way we can start rolling takes. And if they screw up the first take, that's fine. We can just treat that as a rehearsal Yeah, burn takes. And that way, because the other thing that happens too is the magical first one or two takes are great with kids before they start getting restless and antsy. You just don't want to count on any of that. Mm -hmm. But at some point you can definitely count on kids just falling apart. <laughs> oh yeah. That you just does. don't know when, right? Yeah, exactly. How much uh, time do you have? Until yeah, happens? the clock is ticking. And honestly, I treat any non-actor that way. Kids definitely, but even non-actors, I build my day around, oh, we're having to, like my last project, we had uh, what we what the client called a key opinion leader, an expert in their field on a very niche uh, medical thing. And I worked with my producer because the client was like, let's do X. And I was like, nope, here's what we're going to do. We're going to shoot. This is a two-day shoot. She's going to be on the day two. Therefore, I want to shoot everything else on day one. And that way it's going to lead into this scene that we need to capture with her. We're going to get her at the beginning of, and we're going to structure it like this, this, and this, because she's not an actor. I want to make sure we get the, the hardest part first. And if she's still got some juice in her, then we'll go and get these like extra nice to haves, get your nice to haves at the end, get your must haves at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and that way you don't shoot yourself in the foot because once, you know, non-actors flame out, 
that's it. Yeah. They're not coming back, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. once they're out of gas, they're out of gas. Uh, and so you build around that. And I think you do this. I do the same thing with kids. Like let's make sure they're fresh. They're excited. And if we get two good hours out of them, then great. But we're going to make sure we get those two hours uh, the best that you possibly can. The other thing that jumped out was I don't remember the other two films having a score. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I, from what I remember, it was all uh, mise-en-scene, right? Stuff that was actually coming from the sets. Uh, this was the first time I remember hearing an actual score over the film. And it's beautiful. It's simple. Um, it sets the feel. You feel like you're in Greece, even though it's not necessarily Greece film, uh, Greece scoring. Um, it, it, it's orchestrated and it's, uh, flowing and it's simple and it's beautiful and mm-hmm. it's not gaudy. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that much I really liked, um, going back to the, the table scene, I only really had one other note cinematography wise, which was, I completely agree. Like when I, they get to that, that big family style dinner, uh, at the, the vacation house with the, the gentleman that they were staying with that whole conversation, all of that, I could have spent, the entire you know hour 40 there mm-hmm. and been completely content yeah um which probably also means they made it exactly right <laughs> they exactly more <laughs> exactly right because i i did feel like at one point i'm like man this we've been here for a long time i feel yeah. like i mean i i, I wasn't upset about it no. but at the same time i thought i thought well are we gonna go somewhere else and yeah i was glancing i want to say that was about a 15 minute scene yeah um it felt like a 30 but yeah it's it's just so good but one of the things that happens at the end of that sequence that you mentioned was the older woman describing missing her husband. And I love that we start that little moment by watching Jesse and Celine. They're in this two shot, this kind of medium, medium wide two shot as they're listening to the beginning of her describing, like feeling like her husband was still around for a while um, and imagining what he would say to her wearing this or mm-hmm. this thing that would happen. Uh, we just kind of sit there and watch Jesse and Celine together as they're listening to this. And then we reverse out of that into watching her tell the story, but she's framed in between Jesse and Celine. And so even though we're listening to her story, we're still imagining how they're hearing this story and how it relates to their own love and that there's visual context to her story um, as she's framed right there in the middle of them. And I love it. Uh, I think that's such a simple, beautiful way to experience something through someone else's eyes um and and adding this this context makes us hear one thing but you know consume it in a different completely other way Uh, because we're hearing her we're thinking about them yeah um and that's really cool i think the natural way is for us to hear that and just think about how it applies to our own lives but through the framing they add in all these other layers it's it's not about that we're doing that too, to some degree. You can't hear someone tell a story without adding yourself to their story. Mm-hmm. But also, it's it's a it's a really cool uh, mixing that they're doing just through the the visual framework that they're yeah. creating there. Yeah, I only had one question for you, but I think it's a really good one. Uh, okay, and so this is kind of ejecting out of the the heart of the story um, and asking something that's there, uh, which is. Jesse wrote Celine into his work. Their experience became kind of the foundation for his career. What happens in that summer of 94 launches his, his writing career. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you, 
is and she gets mad later you know at the end of the film she's like don't effing write me anymore into yeah, your right. into your books uh which are terrible you think you're whatever arthur miller or whatever she says yeah. uh henry miller i don't know who henry miller is uh, i know who arthur miller is but yeah. she's like you're not mm. in any way shape or form oh yeah right it's like damn yeah. that's pretty hardcore and that's that's going for the jugular yeah like i think if someone i loved starts you know saying you know you're not david fincher in any shape or form uh where's my lawyer it's time to split no but so my question to you is is it okay to use people in your life for writing material how do you feel about that of course yeah absolutely no limits no limits interesting yeah that's that that's that you don't feel any uh like internal wrestling with <laughs> you're no. so hard. Absolutely. Set not. On this. What where is that coming from? How the fuck else are you going to create anything? What are you going to water everything down? Like you you you're the you I think you think the same way. I hope you think the same way. Like I like like if I have an experience, you know, I I, I mean get because we're talking about this movie mm-hmm. like with my wife and I'm inspired to create something because of it, I'm not going to not create that. I've done that. I've not created things or I've created something, but not let anybody hear it because of that exact scenario. And it kills you, kills your creativity. It kills your, the reason why you're doing the thing in the first place, because you had something. And then because of someone else, you're not putting it out or you're not finishing it or you're not creating it in the first place. And that's a tragedy. It's a bigger tragedy than if you were to create it and hurt somebody's feelings and honestly i mean i'm sure that there are probably things where you know it's it's probably bet it's it's probably gonna hurt somebody you know i mean my my wife's been working on a memoir that is not easy thing to do with you know putting the people in it that she needs to put in it but if you're around the right people that actually believe in you and actually know that you're coming from a good place i mean if you're gonna go out and like just tear somebody apart and then expect them to not be hurt that's on you as a creator Mm -hmm. right you should do it maybe you know there are ways to do it right you talk to the person you say listen i don't feel this way now but at the time i felt like this and i had to put it in a song or i had to put it in a film or whatever to deal with it but we're good i just want you to know that when before you listen to this or before you watch this you know there's ways to do it if you're a creator you can't just ignore the muse if it comes create do something and then deal with the aftermath after it it's not like it's not like it's going to kill the other person right it might hurt their feelings it might hurt your relationship it might i mean it might end your relationship but then in that case was it really that strong to begin with Hmm. my wife has she she's a writer she's written things that hurt i would never in a million years ask her not to i hope she does i hope she because that's how she feels i'm a writer I know I've written things that have hurt her. I, you know, but what else are you going to do? She doesn't want me to change. She doesn't want me to not write those things if I feel that way. And I, I, I think that's good. I think it's hard, but necessary. I mean, what do you? How do you feel? <laughs> I mean, I'm much more squishy. I agree uh, that it's okay, but personally, I have a very difficult time actually doing it. Uh This is why I think I tend to write so many other different things that aren't related at all to my life. 
Um, I had such a difficult upbringing. Like there's so many different points in my life that were just brutal. Mm. Um, and I just feel terrible like writing about it because now it's almost judgment uh-huh. on the people in your life. I don't know how sure. to deal with that. I don't know how to speak my truth. And this is the thing I've yeah. even in the last, I don't know, couple of years I'm really wrestling with is being able to speak my truth without fear of what it might do to someone else. Because I think you're right. What else are you going to do? Like, what else is there to some degree? What else is there to create from outside mm-hmm. of your own life experience? Right. And that's legit. That's valid. I just, I have a really hard time. Like, I don't think exposing people is the right word for it, but you know, just having that out there. Cause it's one thing for me to put my flaws and picadillos out on display. Um, it feels so much harder to do that on other people, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I wrestle with it. I agree. I think everything you're saying is absolutely right. Yes, absolutely right. <laughs> I just, I wrestle with it so hard yeah. that I, uh, it's pretty rare for me to actually do it. Like it's only, I've only done it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and one of them was threads, you know, mm-hmm. and another short film I did, but for the most part, I just veer into more philosophical territory and, and that's not, but there's a lot of rich material uh, for lack of a better way to phrase it. like in my life that I could easily uh, and people listening, I've, I've had this conversation with, you know, a number of people most people think their life would make a really good story. It wouldn't. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just going to yeah. burst that bubble. <laughs> like your life story is not a good story. Um, v- bar very few people. Now, what is a really good story is a moment from your life. Great call. Wow. That's where you can really like that funeral that you went to and the uncle, you know, you know, got showed up drunk and, you know, smashed a bottle on the casket or whatever. That could end up being a really great moment uh, that could be elaborated into a film. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, your entire life story is boring as shit. Don't write yeah. that. But find those little moments in your life. Um, and then the rest of your life is context. Dude, that's such a great. People yeah. miss that all the time. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's, I would say 80% of the time, I, I just keep my mouth closed. But every once in a while, if I'm mm-hmm. talking to the right person, I'm like, no, your life is boring, bro. <laughs> you have no You're idea. You're not special. You're not special at You're all. Not special. I'm not either. My life would be would make a boring story uh, as a whole. But you know, in these little moments, these slices, yeah. you can tell really compelling, interesting uh, uh, stories for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I don't question. know. I think I, I struggle like pulling people uh, that I know and moments that I know into my stories, um, and I usually just don't use any any part of it like yeah my i have the whole pig just sitting there mm-hmm. dying and it's such you, sh- you I, should you yeah. should do something with that i think we've had this conversation yeah i think we probably before have. and it's i mean if nothing else it's cathartic mm. you know if if nothing else and but everybody has to make that decision because it's not just because it's that's just because my opinion is write it doesn't mean that that's that that is a good thing in a hundred, a hundred percent of the time, you know, everybody has different situations, different scenarios and everything. I just know that for me, I mean, (laughs) think about the, if someone were to write something that like really pissed off their entire family, right. And then their entire family won't speak to them anymore, but a million people heard it and a million people loved it and Mm. it changed their lives. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. You know, like that's what I mean. It's like, it's like, 
you know, the, the concern there, at least for me, is that what if I do this? I hurt all these people I love and nobody gives a shit about it. That's the nightmare. Right. Yeah. Right. But then at the end of the day, still, I've made something out of it mm. that was important, you know, that helped me. And is that, is it worth it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's a good point because, I mean, for me growing up, most of my catharsis came from writing. Even if I didn't do anything with it, right. the act of creating can alleviate all kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit more for you because you got to make it into yeah. visual. Yeah. Which means a lot of things have to happen. So you really got to commit to it. Um, so it'd be harder than like writing in a journal and then just throwing it away. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like, no, I'm going to make this thing. So I get the concern. I totally get the concern. That's funny. Yeah. Um, Great question. Last thoughts. Uh, I think, I think the only other thing that I want to say about how, why this movie is so great is the way, and then that's it is the way that, that they establish them as together and happy. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like there's no, they're not like fighting from the very beginning. None, you know, they right? have a little bit of, a little bit of scuffle or whatever, but that's, I mean, that's a daily conversation, right? right. Um, she gets up in arms a little bit on, uh, if I was, that girl on the train right now would you ask me to get off with you yeah but i mean even from the beginning of them in the car uh, you know like they argue a little bit about like like him talking about going to you know moving back to the states at one right. point or, or her getting this new job or mm-hmm. something and he's just like right. just go do it or don't do it because you don't you wouldn't love it but do whatever you want but so they have a few little scuffles but they obviously love each other and they're obviously happy right and they establish that pretty well that they're comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and then so that when they start fighting, you're like, oh, my God, you know, I don't want this to happen. I've been with these people. They're obviously, you know, still in love. They obviously want to be with each other. But now it's really spiraling out of control that anyway, um, I just it's a great setup for what occurs towards the end. Yeah. And I guess looking at all three as a whole, like. Once again, I came into before midnight little trepidatious right like what are they going to do with jesse and celine yeah like don't mess this up (laughs) and to still find ways to innovate uh and to meet other people like this is the first time we really spend time real time with anyone that isn't them yeah like they have encounters but they're brief um and it's they're they're set dressing they're not characters um and here we're really meeting other people We're, we're giving them space yeah to espouse their own ideas and their own life experiences and uh, we just for the first time see Jesse and Celine both just quiet and listening to someone else. Um, and that Great was point. really cool uh, just to see a little bit more of their life instead of just imagining and playing around. Cause there's, we all experience our vacation selves versus our at home selves. Yeah. Um, and up until this point, we really only got to see their vacation selves. Yeah. Um, and this was, no, nope, this is everyday stuff. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. Me too. Nice. Um, what are you going to recommend this week? What are you going to recommend? Uh, so there's a film that came out in 2006 that I really enjoyed that if you enjoy this style of film, the walk and talk and just conversational, then I think you would like Bella. That's this uh, very similar. I think it's set in New York and it's two people who uh, meet and get to know each other over the course of a the day. There's something important happening in both their lives um, and they both do something important for each other and in this span of a day. And so uh, it's beautiful, really well done. Uh, I haven't watched it since it came out. So maybe it's terrible now, 
Uh, so don't hold me to that. Gotcha. <laughs> but I I keep meaning to go back to it, and I just remember really loving it. Yeah. Awesome, great. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna recommend King Richard, which we watched the other night and really really enjoyed. Uh, it's on H- streaming on HBO, but it's also in the theater. So if you have a chance, uh, definitely go see it. Yeah, Will Smith is just on on his top of his game. Uh, the writing is really good. It's kind of long, but doesn't I doesn't feel long. They could have made that three hours, and that would have been good. Exactly exactly so king richard yeah nice um stay tuned for next week we are going to be uh dipping our toe in this little film that some people may not have seen or heard of it's called the matrix <laughs> we're taking the red pill yeah um, and uh in the good way um i know that term's been abused uh for the last twenty thousand years however long this thing's been out but yeah stay tuned for that we'll take a peek and see if we discover Anything new in the Matrix? I doubt it, but we'll give it the Wes and Todd go. Yeah, give it the old college try. Uh, and if you're enjoying this uh, show, this episode, this podcast, uh, don't forget to subscribe, review us on iTunes, um, and leave us a note if there's something you want us to talk about. This We did this because of one of our listeners and co-hosts uh, requested that we do the, the Before Trilogy. So thanks to Todd. Um, I hope you've dropped a review. If you haven't, you should. You know, eat, eat your own dog food, Todd. I don't know, Margo. <laughs> and if you want to drop a note on this episode, you can do that at thepestpodcast.com slash before midnight. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day from Frederick Nietzsche. It is not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages. That's, do you believe that? I mean, I, I guess uh, I have really, you know, no frame of reference for this, but <laughs> that would be my my belief. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's yeah. kept me out of a lot of relationships mm-hmm. is there might be a really nice romantic connection. But I know to sustain something long term, I need intellectual stimulation and mm-hmm. um, the same level of humor. And there's a whole other level of connection that's that's necessary. And this quote was found by your wife mm-hmm. um, as I was hunting. I needed help. So I called in the best. <laughs> so, and she gave you Nietzsche? She Interesting. Gave me Nietzsche, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, talk to her about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I I mean you, I yeah, I haven't thought about it, but hmm. reading it, I at first I was like, huh. But that makes sense because you know, you have a you can love a lot of people or you can love, you know, in that specific way one person, but if you don't have like respect for them, you know, or like at this level of of platonicness that is is like i got your back mm-hmm. you know as opposed to i got your back if you love me too like i got your back regardless you know then there's this this it's, it's a little bit different it's like it's like no you know i'm gonna spend a lot of time with you so i gotta like you you know i'm gonna love you yeah. but i'm not always gonna like you you know at the most for the most part you know there's going to be times where I'm like, I don't want to be around you. You don't want to be around me. You know, as long as, as long as, you know, you know where they are, you try to see where the other person is coming from, you know, and it's okay to let them go away for a little while or for you to go away for a little while. And then, and just trust that like, you know, I'll be back and, uh, and then go back. Yeah. That feels like a little bit more of like a friendship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I haven't seen you for a long time yeah. but then I see you and it's like I saw you yesterday yes and and that's that's the thing you know but there you know and when you're I guess when you're married there's more of a longing mm-hmm. to like you know I gotta get back to that person yeah but as long as as you have that level of of respect and and 
in, in, a, in a way admiration for the other person, then it just tends to like be more okay, right? Yeah, and relationships are just interesting in that way because when you're single or you're apart for a while, like there's a new normal. And it's like, I can't remember being with this other person anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like we were never together. But then whenever you do come back together or do you, you do get in a uh, relationship, it's suddenly like, I cannot remember what it was like to be single. I can't remember life before you. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to, right? It's yeah. it's a, it's an interesting, I don't know, dynamic that kind of unfurls. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Jenny and I were talking the other day about like how many lives do you live? Mm. I think we were talking about yeah. it too. And I, I, the moment I met her was a, a div- division of before and then after. And I mean, yeah, it is... I don't, I don't know. I, I agree with that quote. I think yeah. that quote is cool. Like, the more we talk about it, the more I want to talk about it. But that's not what this podcast is. <laughs> that's true. Our relationship podcast is uh, coming next month. <laughs> Wes and Todd tell you how to break up amicably. <laughs> love and friendship. <laughs> love, 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 love. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I man. really, really enjoyed this trilogy. Hope you guys did, too. Make sure to share us with your friends, uh, review us, uh, and tell us what you want us to to cover. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.